Christians are meant for the local church. And the local church is meant for Christians. We've been talking about that in this series called the, the countdown to launch or the pre-launch checklist. It's the local church where we as believers, as we are saved, are brought into the church. We are baptized, Paul says, into one body. And, and sometimes we'll like to say, well, that's the church big C. But I would argue with you that there is no church big C that's not realized within the local church. That is the body of Christ like we are gathering here this morning. See, we're brought into this body and we're made to attend regularly so that we can gather together and grow in our knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and progress in our understanding of what he desires from us as believers. But we're also made and, and regenerated, reborn, we're new creations that God has now designed to not only just attend, but also now to come in and connect with one another. And we talked about that in our time together last Sunday about how God has designed us not just to come and, and sit next to strangers, but to come and build relationships with one another. And we talked about how here at Compass Bible Church, we do that most effectively through community groups. That this is a, a body that's meant not just to be a place where you come and you listen to a sermon and then you leave and you get in your car and you go home and you come back and do it again next week. But that you come and you build into relationships, relationships where you're going to have brothers and sisters in Christ that are going to invest in you that are going to care for you, that are going to pray for you, that are going to get to know you, and you're going to have an opportunity to invest in these friendships with people that you're going to spend eternity with together. That's part of the purpose of the local church. But there's a third cog in it as well. It's not just that we attend, and it's not just that we connect, but it's what we're here to talk about together this morning, and that is that God has given us the local church in order that we would be able to employ the gifts that he has provided to us so that we can, can be used by him for the building up of this body and also the reaching of the world around us. We refer to it as serving. Attending, connecting, and serving. That's what it looks like to be a part of Compass Bible Church. That's, as I've been calling it, the, the pyramid of our membership model here at Compass Bible Church. Is you attend, you connect, and then this third piece, you serve. If you were with us from the start, I, I gave everybody, and I've got more, they're in the back, so if you want one, you can grab one and take it with you. I've got plenty of them back there, but I gave you a, a Lego keychain, just a singular Lego block, and we talked about in that first uh, time together that a, a Lego is, is there, but it's, it's not meant to exist by itself. It's, it's meant to come and be joined together. It's, it's something that is a building block. We talked more last week that, that you're not doing Legos right if you just have a big pile of Legos that just are next to each other but aren't connected to each other. That if you've just got a, a bag full of Legos and they're not together, then the creator of Lego would come to you and say, you're not doing it right. Well, here now, tonight, or this morning, rather, we're here to talk about the fact that each piece has a place in what God is building. And each piece has a specific place in what God is building. I don't know if you've ever grabbed a bag of Legos and, and just dumped it all out in front of you that comes in a specific kit and you've gotten the directions there and you've looked at the directions and been like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that that way. And you've just tried to build it by yourself. Or when you have kids, your kids inevitably break the Legos that you spent hours building for them, and then they want you to rebuild them, and you don't have the directions anymore. It's near impossible to get the finished product of what the designer wanted if you don't have the directions. Why? Because the directions tell you where the designer wanted each piece to fit in the whole organism. Well, in like fashion, God has designed the church to be made up of people who are all playing a part in the church body. 
you have a specific role to play within the body of Christ. And God has brought you here, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He says, God has arranged the members of his body as he saw fit. So God has brought you here, and he has a role for you to play here in the overall health of the body of Christ. Another way to look at it is this. If you've ever tried to build the tallest Lego tower that you ever could, anybody set out to go do that? You don't set out to do that with a singular square, tiny little block and just build on top of that as tall as you can, do you? Why? Because that is not a stable structure, is it? It doesn't take much to push that over. But if you provide a wide base with many different blocks at the, at the start, then you can build upon that and that's going to be a solid, strong, firm tower. Well, as we're building this church, we're not building it on a personality. We're not building it on a pastor. We're not building it on two pastors. We're building it together, that we are God's servants together as the body of Christ, and we are here to work together to see this church get up off the ground and become everything that God desires it to be. Take your Bibles if you've got them this morning, and I hope you do, and turn over to Philipp or Philippians, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As we're talking about this concept of serving, Peter addresses this as he's writing to his audience. He says in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let's start off by talking about what he begins this saying with, with this, this word each. As each has received a gift. Well, who is each? To know that, we need to know who was Peter writing to. And if we back up at the beginning of the letter, we find out from the, the outset here that Peter was writing first off to those that are the elect exiles of what's called the dispersion. The dispersion was the result of the persecution of the church where the, the Christians were dispersed out and throughout the, uh, the known world at the time. And so the, Peter's writing to those that have been scattered as a result of the persecution, people that didn't like the, the church growing there. But he's writing to the elect exiles. The elect exiles are Christians, believers, people who are, are part of these local churches scattered throughout the, the dispersion. Later in the, the letter in 1 Peter 4, 8, we see him say this, love one another earnestly. Who is the one another in that context? Well, it's, it's fellow Christians. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ earnestly. He says there. Similarly, in 1 Peter 4, 9, right before our text, it says, show hospitality to one another. Again, Peter's writing this in the context of the local church. He's writing this to Christians. And so then when we come back to 1 Peter 4, 10, and we read that it says, as each has received a gift, the question, or the answer rather to the question, who's the each? Well, the each is each and every single believer. Each and every single believer, it says there, has received a gift. Each one has received a gift, and this is really what we'll spend the rest of our time talking about this morning, because this is the, the part that we have to unpack a little bit, because this begs the questions, right? Well, what is the gift that we've received? And then the question, how did I receive it, right? And then third, the other question is, well, what am I supposed to do with it? We're going to answer those as we go through our time together, but I want us to start with that center question there, that first uh, one for us to, to address is the one right in the middle there. How did I get this gift? Each one has received a gift. Okay, each is a believer. Every Christian has. 
that every Christian has received a gift. How did that come about? Well, the first thing to note here is that it's a passive voice here in the verb. You have received a gift. It's been given to you. You didn't give yourself the, the gift that you have to use for the good of the body of Christ. So then the question becomes, well, where did they come from or who gave the gift? And I think we find the answer there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 4, or chapter 12, verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each, there's our, our, our word again from 1 Peter, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, Paul's writing there saying, each and every Christian has been given by the Spirit a gift to be used for the building up of the body, as he puts it in Ephesians 4. For the common good of the local body of Christ. He goes on in verses 8 and 9 and he says this. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. And to another faith by the same spirit. And to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. And jump down to verse 11. It says this. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. So the answer to the question where do these come from? The answer is they come from God through the Spirit. Okay, so then the follow-up question to that then is who has the Spirit, right? Who has the Spirit? And you'll run into all kinds of different teaching on that in the church, but I think Scripture is abundantly clear when we answer this question. And let me just direct you to one passage to answer the question who has the Spirit, and that's Romans 8 verse 9. If we're going to suggest that there's some secondary baptism of the Spirit or there's some secondary measure of the Spirit given, we have a problem, and our problem is not with a theology or a doctrine, but the problem is with the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8 9, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay? That's, that's the question. Does the Spirit of God, who does the Spirit of God dwell in and gift? Look how he answers this in the rest of this verse. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Do you see that? Anyone who does not possess the Holy Spirit does not belong to him. There is no second blessing where you receive the Holy Spirit subsequent to salvation. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you have the gift of the Spirit. Okay, so that's, that's how we get this. We receive these gifts there at the moment of salvation as each has received a gift. It takes place there. There's no waiting room for us as Christians that we go to waiting for God to parcel out our gift that we're going to have to use for the building up of the body of Christ. It happens at the moment of our salvation, at the moment of conversion. Here's the implications of that for all of us in this room. If you are in Christ, serving the body of Christ is not reserved for mature Christians. Serving the body of Christ is not reserved for some spiritual elite. If you are in Christ, there's no age limit on being used for the building up of the body of Christ. If you are in Christ, you have received a gift. And Peter's point here is one that we'll find made other places in the scriptures as well. And that is that if you are in Christ, you have been entrusted with a gift or a set of gifts by God. And it's a defining characteristic of who we are, our new identity as followers of Jesus. And so our first point this morning, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you would, is this, recognize the gift you've been given. 
If you're in Christ, you have a gift. And so the first thing for us to, to do is to, to push back from the table, so to speak, and say, well, then what is that gift? We have the gift. What is the gift? The tense of the verb here, each one has received. It's, it's stressing that this is an event that's already taken place. Again, there is no waiting room for Christians waiting to receive the gift. It's something that you have already received. Anybody a fan of the Antique Roadshow? Anybody want to publicly admit that they're a fan of the, the Antique Roadshow? I like it. I, I love watching that show. I used to watch it growing up when I was sick and home from school because there was nothing else on except for the Price is Right, and, and that just gets old eventually, right? But the Antique Roadshow, it, it's, it's always amazing because people bring in stuff and they sit down with the person, and the person talking to them always has an accent that makes them sound way smarter than whoever they're talking to is, Right? And they're going through it and they're describing it and they're talking about the intricacies of the piece that they brought in as though the person who brought it in has any clue what they're talking about. This person went in their garage and grabbed something off the shelf and they were like, I'm going to the antique roadshow, hunt. I'll be back in like a couple hours. And they're sitting down and they're, they're, they're just taking a shot in the dark to say, is this worth anything? Well, there was once uh, uh, somebody who brought in uh, an oil painting that they bought for $100, right? They just bought it at, a, at an estate sale for $100. The oil painting happened to be by a guy named Joseph Klitsch, which if you are unlike me and you know something about art, that name means something to you. Joseph Klitsch, because this oil painting was bought at $100 and valued at $500,000. It's a pretty good ROI on that. $100 valued at $500,000. Or how about this? Uh, there was somebody who had the entire collection of the 1871 to 1872, Boston, this is what they were called at the time, the Red Stockings. They weren't the Red Sox yet. They were the Boston Red Stockings, and they had all of the cards from the 1871 to 1872 Red Stockings. They were collected by one of their great-great-grandmothers, of all things, and they were passed down to them. That card collection was valued at over a million dollars. Thanks, great-great-grandma. Start collecting cards right now. Go out from here. That's part of the application from the sermon. Just go buy baseball cards. 1914, Patek Philippe. I may be butchering that, but it's a, a pocket watch, okay? Somebody else had one of those. They brought it in to the antique roadshow. They inherited it. Again, they didn't pay anything for it. They were given it through their family. They inherited it. It was valued at two to three million dollars. Two to three million dollars. Now, I wonder how long those people had those things just sitting on a shelf in their house before they decided, you know what? I'm going to take that in and see what it's worth. And how often they just walked past that. And it was just collecting dust. There was the, the baseball card collection in a cardboard box in the attic. The oil painting was leaning up against a, a, a door in somebody's office. And they were thinking, you know what, I need to get that framed and, and mounted at some point. Not realizing what they had, right? Christian, I want you to think about your spiritual gift, what God has given you, and I want to make sure that you're not doing the same thing with your gift because your gift that God has given you for the building up of the body of Christ way more valuable than the 1871 to 1872 Boston Red Stockings card collection or a Patek Philippe pocket watch. And yet I think so many of us are just leaving it, leaning up against the wall in the office and not taking it and using it for what God intended us to do with it. And so that's why this first point is we need to recognize what we've been given and look, there are, are, are three reasons why I can tell you for, with certainty that every Christian in this room has a gift to be used for the building up of the body of Christ. First is this, sub point A is this, if you are in Christ, you've got the Spirit. We've already covered that, right? 
That's one reason why I know for sure that if you are a Christian, you have something to bring to the table to serve the body of Christ with. Because if you are in Christ, you've got the Spirit. Romans 8 9, we already read that. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Him. So if you are in Christ, you have the Spirit. And the Spirit equips believers, right? The Spirit equips believers. In fact, that's our second subpoint there. If you're in Christ, you have the Spirit, subpoint two or subpoint B. And the Spirit's job is in part to equip the, the believer. And that's all of us. There's no varsity Christians that he's like, well, I'm going to equip these ones over here, but I, I'm not going to equip you. No, if you're in Christ, he's wanting you to be useful to the body of Christ. And so he's going to give you this gift. And you say, well, where do you get that? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again, verses 4 through 7. I read it earlier, but again, let me go back. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in, what's that next word? In everyone. He empowers them in everyone, right? To each, same concept in 1 Peter 4.10. To each one, each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So that's how I know that you, if you are in Christ, have a gift to be used for the building up of the body. The third reason, final subpoint under this point, is because the gifts are given by the will of God. I'm confident that you have something to bring to the table because it's God's will that you would use your gift for the building up of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Y'all, what a cool concept this is. Because God saved you and gave intentional thought to how he wanted to equip you to serve the church as an individual. You have been given a gift that God wants you to use because it's part of his will for you and who you are as a believer. And so that's why it's so important for us to recognize that part of our identity as a follower of Jesus means that we need to, to think and realize the gifts that we have been given. When you build Legos, right, there's always the leftover pieces. And, and they do that on purpose. I've never needed to use them. I've never just lost one of the pieces. And maybe you have and you're thankful for the leftover pieces. They annoy me, right? Because when I'm done, I'm like, what did I miss? Why are there leftover pieces? And, and you sit there and you look at it and, you're, and then you remember, oh, yeah, they always do this. They always include leftover pieces. Y'all, there's no leftover pieces in the church. There's no leftover pieces in the body of Christ. The church doesn't get to a place where we're functioning and going, oh, and, and there's the reserves over there on the sidelines. The, the church is everybody doing their part, playing a role, using their gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. There are no extra pieces in the church. You say, well, what are the types of gifts that they, we find in Scripture? What are these gifts, right? You've been talking about them. Okay, maybe I have a gift because I'm in Christ. In fact, not maybe. Okay, fine, I, I get it. I do. But what gifts are there in the Bible? Now, this is, this is a list that's more exhaustive than we see functioning still today in the church, okay? Not to open up a can of worms right away with our first Sunday morning, but there are some gifts here on this list that we believe have ceased and are no longer in operation, right? The gift of tongues, we believe, was a portion for a specific dispensation within the church and is no longer in practice. The gift of healing, we believe, was a portion for a specific dispensation in the church and is no longer in practice. If that uh, uh, makes you frustrated, then, then I'm glad you're finding that out at, at the first Sunday and not the 50th Sunday, Okay. But my point is not to get hung up on, on which gifts are still in operation. I want you to look and see there are different, there are varieties. This is what it means in the scripture when it says there are varieties of gifts. 
There are so many different ways that God could use you in the church. Administration, right? Leadership. Discernment. Evangelism. Exhortation. Faith. Helping. Hospitality. Knowledge. Leadership. Mercy. Right? There are so many different gifts that, that are there in the Spirit wires us uniquely when we're made new creations in Christ. We are given this gift to be used for the building up of the body of Christ. You're not going to have every gift on this list. But that's what's so cool about the body of Christ is together we'll have everything that we need, right? That's part of God's design. Again, as we're looking to build this church, we can't do it on a single personality or just a couple of pastors to say, okay, you guys go and do it. We can't. We need this family, this team to be with us building the body. As we go back to 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Use it to serve one another. Back in California, it was in my office, and now it's in my son's room because he's learning to play and absconded with it from me. But back in my office, I had hanging in my office a, a, a guitar, and it was a, a Taylor guitar that my dad bought me uh, when I was in high school. And, uh, and I, re- I still remember getting it. We went to uh, Guitar Center because I learned on like a, a Gibson Epiphone $100 special from Walmart, right? And I, I remember going to get this guitar, and I remember going to, to Guitar Center, and, uh, and you go back in the room that just every guitar nerd loves it because it smells like guitars back there. And then you're just looking at all the nice guitars on the wall, and there's some that you're like, I'm not even going to touch that one because I would never recover if I broke it, and then I would have to sell all of my children that I don't even have yet. That's what my mentality was in high school with some of them. But I, I grabbed a Taylor. It's a 310 CE, and I sat down, and I started to play it, and it just sung. Compared to my Gibson, are you kidding me? It just sung. It was like angels, right? By the way, God plays a Taylor, not a Martin. If there's Martin fans out there, you're wrong. God plays a Taylor. Um, but it just, it just sung. It was amazing. And I remember playing it, and I remember my dad coming up to me, and he was like, wow, that's, that's a, a nice guitar. And I was thinking, yeah, it's a nice guitar. And, and I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to go home with this guitar. And then he looked at me and he said, look, PJ, I'll, I'll get you that guitar, but I want you to promise me that you'll use it to serve God. Done. Where do we check out, right? No, but that weighed on me, right? So I, I, I did. I, I brought it home, and then I ended up serving in our high school worship band as, as part of that. And then I, I went to, uh, off to college and got to be in a worship capacity with our Bible study in college that Amanda and I were a part of. And then we came back here, and in seminary, I... I filled in at our, our church there, and then God led me to a, a role as a worship and youth pastor right out of seminary where I, I used that same guitar through the whole time, and it's, it's still with me. If my dad had bought me that guitar and said, hey, PJ, I want you to use this, and I want you to use it to serve the Lord, and I had taken that guitar and said, yeah, thanks, this is awesome, I love it, it's so great, and, and this is so awesome, and it's so much better than anything that I've ever had before, but if I had taken that home and left it in the case and just slid it under my bed, would I be doing what he wanted me to do with it? No. Christians, God's given you a gift and said, hey, I want you to use this to serve me. Are you using the gift or is your gift in the case under the bed? Are you being faithful to do what God has called you to do? Are you serving the body of Christ the way that God has called you to serve the body of Christ? Our first point was we need to realize we've been given a gift. But then the second point this morning is this. We need to make use of the gift that we've been given. We need to make sure that, that we're employing the gift in the, for the purpose that it was made. It was made to be used for the building up of the body of Christ. It was made to be used in service of other Christians, other believers. 
So we need to make use of the gifts that we've been given. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, again, let me remind you of this. We've read it a couple times already. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And here's the, the phrase here that we need to pay attention to. For the common good. For whose common good? For your brothers and sisters in Christ that are in this room. For the family of God, for the local church, that is the common good. And that's what we should take our gifts that God has given us and use them, put them to practice, put them to work for the good of the body. As Christians, you are part of this family that is the church. And there's an expectation on us that we will do our part. In fact, again, 1 Corinthians 12, you're, you're going, wait a minute, is this a, a sermon on 1 Peter 4.10 or 1 Corinthians 12? Yes. It's both. You get a twofer this morning. 1 Corinthians 4.12, though, let, let's go to a different section here where Paul compares the, the body of Christ to a physical body. But he's talking about the import of our using our gifts for the good of the body. He says, just as the body is one as it has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Okay, now he's introducing this concept that the, the one body is made up of many people. Now he's going to explain that a little bit more in the next passage. He says this, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Again, I love verse 18 in 1 Corinthians 12. Your heavenly father gave intentional thought to your place in the body of Christ. That's what that's saying. God has arranged each of the members as he chose. And he's doing this. Why? So that the church will be as strong as she possibly can be in carrying out the mission that he has for her. Which is to build up the body and to reach the lost. And his point here is that takes the whole body, not just one person, not just two people, not just one role, not just being on stage, not just serving in a teaching capacity or being in kids' ministry, not just being an usher or a greeter or setup team or teardown team, not being in the tech booth, not being uh, somebody who cuts our donuts in half. It's, it's not any one of those. It's all of them working together according to God's design. We need to make use of the gifts that we've been given. There's a guy who attended our church, our sending church back in California, and, and he had one of the greatest impacts on me there. And, and it wasn't because he imparted all kinds of intense doctrine and theology to me, and it wasn't because he, you know, came and, and, and served my family by giving us things. He would have if he had the opportunity, but do you know why this guy had such a huge impact on me? is because he had the gift of encouragement. And when I was struggling, when I was down, when I was having a, just a rough go at it, and I saw this guy, his name, by the way, if you know him, his name is Roger Nesty, right? And if you knew Roger, if you know Roger, you know what I'm talking about. He was a brother who would come up and just, his countenance would just encourage you. There are some people, let's be honest with each other, we can be honest as a church family, there's some people you see walking at you across the patio and you're like, okay, I'm gonna walk. 
when Roger was walking at me, I wanted to just sprint to him. He had a gift that he was using for the building up of the body of Christ, and it had nothing to do with a platform. It had nothing to do with a microphone or a spotlight. But God was using him in such a powerful way. He was an important cog. And there were so many more like him. And we need people like that as well. That's just one example of how God uses people with a variety of gifts to build up the body of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you're an entrepreneur or you're an accountant. You've, you've done well in business. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, okay, I want to use my gifts in administration to help the body of Christ. I want to use what I've done so well outside of the church, within the church. And so I want to sit down with somebody and find out, man, what can I do? How can I help you? Are there administrative needs? Do you guys need help with, with crunching numbers? Do you need financial you know, people to, to be on the count team? Do you need, maybe that's your role in the church, and we need people like that. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and you love having people in your home. And you've got a home that you have set up, and God has given you a, an eye for, for just setting up a home that people just feel comfortable in. And you love to have people over. And maybe what that looks like is God has given you the gift of hospitality. And your home becomes a place where you encourage people and people can come and rest and enjoy fellowship with you and your family. Or even more than that, maybe you ha your home becomes that place where you're inviting your neighbors into your home as you think about your neighborhood as your mission field and your dinner table becomes a place where the gospel is shared and, and people repent from their sins and put their trust in Jesus for the first time. Maybe that's your gift, right? Or, or maybe you lead a team at work. You're a project manager. And you just have the ability to see the big picture of things and to organize things and to, to delegate and direct and everything else. And if you haven't seen here, this is a gym, right? We walked in this morning at 6.30 and there was nothing in here. It was just a basketball gym. And now it's this. And how did it become this? Well, it became this because we had some people who have that kind of mentality and that experience and that giftedness of leadership that sat here or stood here and were able to kind of organize and delegate and help us get to where we are right now. By the way, we're going to need those same people to help us tear down and get them back in the trailer afterwards. Or maybe you're like Roger and you love to encourage people. You've got the gift of exhortation. Or maybe you love to evangelize. You're evangelizing the cardboard cutout just in case maybe it's a real person. Regardless of where you are in serving in the church, if you are in Christ, you've been given a gift that God means for you to use. Okay? That's my point here with this second point. The only caveat I have here is there are going to be other ways that we serve that don't necessarily line up with what our spiritual giftedness might be. We had a bunch of people here setting up chairs this morning. There's no gift that says set up chairs. But they're here doing it because they're serving the Lord. They're part of the body of Christ. They're building up, right? We got people that are over teaching kids in kids ministry. Some of them have done that before we've got some teachers assistants over there that they're stepping into a brave new world with well, some of your kids well my kids are over there too so it may not be their giftedness but they're doing it because they love jesus and they love his church and they want to say how can i be useful to the church sometimes that's what it looks like for us to use our gifts is just to say where am i needed let me be that utility player let me be that swiss army knife and be used well, as we keep going in our passage, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And then he goes on and he says this, as good stewards of God's varied grace. As good stewards of God's varied grace. And so we've recognized our gift and now we want to say, yeah, I want to use the gift. And now here he ends with this final kind of exhortation to, here's the motivation behind why we use our gifts. 
It's not for our glory, but for the glory of God. I want to direct you to a couple of passages in the New Testament. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said this to those that he was preaching to in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, in the same way, he said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Does serving the body of Christ constitute as good works? Yep. So that they may see your good works and do what? Say, man, you are such a servant. I'm so thankful for you. That's nice when we hear that, right? And we need to be encouraging and, and showing gratitude to each other. But the main purpose is what? So that they may glorify God. So that they may give glory to God. That's the purpose of why we are serving. That's the purpose of why we are working all of these things out. Or the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3, as he's talking about the body life of, of the church here, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does it mean to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus? It means that everything redounds to his name and his glory, not ours. That we serve so that Jesus' name is exalted. Like we saying, Christ be magnified. That's our heart. That's our drive. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're saying, God, what, is, what, what have you done? What have you provided? What are the gifts that you've given me? I want to use them now for the building up of the body of, of the church, ultimately so that you receive all of the glory and honor and praise that you're due. The exaltation and worship of Jesus should be the driving force behind all that we do, and this certainly implies to how we use our giftedness within the church. Point number three this morning is this. Worship God with the gift that you've been given. Worship God with the gift that you've been given. There's a book by an author named Tim Challies. You may be familiar with him. He's got a, a website that he kind of curates a lot of articles each day, challies.com. But he wrote a book as well called Do More Better. And this has been one of the more impactful books on me. It's, it's a book on Christian productivity. And you might say, really? That's been more impactful? Yeah, yeah, because he said things like this that just drilled me right between the eyes. You ready for this? He said this, the simple fact is this. You are not the point of your life. You're not the star of your show. If you live for yourself, your own comfort, your own glory, your own fame, you will miss out on your very purpose. God created you to bring him glory. He's right. It hurts, but he's right. Or another guy, another author named Brandon Crow said this. He said, hard work is not an end in and of itself, but it's a way that we demonstrate the fear of the Lord and honor him with our lives. So think about that from a work perspective, right? The reason why you work so hard at the job that God has given you is not to climb the corporate ladder. It, it's, it's not to be able to afford property taxes in Texas either, right? It's not to be able to have a nicer house or to be able to buy the boat or to be able to retire early. That's not why you work hard in the job that God has given you. You work hard in the job that God has given you in order that you can glorify him. How much more should that apply within the walls of the church? For us to serve with all that we have, 
to pour ourselves out in exhaustion for the bride of Christ. To what end? So that Christ receives the glory. So that God gets the glory that he's due. Similar concept, but I came across this this week in an article that I was reading by a guy named Douglas Allison. He said, the fear of God elevates daily obedience from mere moral conformity to an act of worship. The fear of God elevates daily obedience from mere moral conformity to an act of worship. Now, in context, he was talking about sanctification, our godly obedience to the Lord from day to day. But I think we can apply this to what we're talking about here this morning. Because the, replace moral conformity with obligation or duty or expectations. And when we serve out of the fear of the Lord, the fear of God elevates our daily obedience and serving him from mere obligation to serve the church because I need to. Instead, it becomes an act of worship. Because of what? Because of my mindset. My mindset says, I'm doing this, God, to glorify Jesus, to exalt Christ. I'm setting up this chair so that Christ is exalted because somebody might sit in it and worship him this morning. I'm doing this to, to bring glory to the name of God. The Christian life is all about that. It's about laying our lives down to see Jesus exalted. And if that means stacking chairs or setting up a stage, then may Christ be exalted in every chair that you stack and every stage panel that you install. So that in the end, we might hear Jesus say this, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't want you to worry. We, we don't have our team leads waiting in the back of the room for you after the service is over to sign you up for a, a specific role. But here's what I'd like you to do. We're building this church from nothing, right? There was no church here, and now there's a church. And that means we need all hands on deck. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because so many of you are, are, are already getting that. You're like, yeah, I, I'm here. I get it. But can I encourage you, we're going to set up on our website a, a serve tab. And it's going to be up at the top of the, the, the website there. You're going to be able to click on that. That's going to bring you to a form where you're going to be able to sign up and kind of identify some areas that you could see yourself serving in here at Compass. You're already serving, I get that, but I'm still going to encourage you to do this because that's going to help us formalize and get kind of teams set up so that we can have an expectation and know week in and week out what our service teams are going to look like here at the church. So if you guys have Compass Bible Church, is your home church here, would you guys do that for me this week? Would you go online, click on that top, don't go there yet because Danny didn't know I was going to say this until right now. So he's adjusting on the fly and he'll get that up for us, I'm sure. But if you guys will do that for me, that would be awesome. And you guys can click on that tab and then get, get that form signed up and we will get you plugged in with the team. And don't be afraid to put down more than one area because like we said, we need the Swiss Army knives right now. We need all hands on deck as, as God builds this church. And that's been the point of what we've been talking about this morning. We need everybody to do it. Again, you can't take a Lego set and just dump it out and say, well, I don't need the directions. I'm just going to try to put this thing together how I want to put it together. I don't know where this piece is supposed to go. I'm just going to put it over here. It's not the, what, the way that the designer designed the process. Y'all, 
God's designing his church and building his church, and he has a place for every piece. The question as we walk out this morning is, where do you fit? Let me pray, and our team's going to come back up for one more song. God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for these things that we've been talking about together this morning, that there is a a gift in every single believer because there is a spirit, the spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. And so, God, I, I pray that you would help us to be faithful stewards, as we just spoke about, of these varied gifts that you've provided for us. I pray that you would help us to use them, not for our fame and our glory, but for the fame and glory of, of Jesus. God, build this church not on the back of a personality or a couple of pastors, but build it on the team that we have here. I thank you so much for each and every person that's in this room. There's so much sacrifice that's already gone into making this a reality that we're sitting in this room experiencing this morning. And I know there's going to be more moving forward. And God, I just pray that you would bring just a a joyfulness about this process. And I pray that you would bless every single person who sacrifices to make this a reality, who gives of their time and their efforts and their treasures and their talent to serve you. I pray that you would bless them, Lord, and help them to find just great reward even here and now, but especially, Lord, in eternity through serving you so faithfully. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.